We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gregory Perez says, what scheme would you run at Notre Dame, given the current personnel, while also keeping since sustainability in mind and also in general? Which college football offensive scheme is your favorite to watch other than Notre Dame's? Well, honestly, I don't I, – I, Gregory, I wouldn't go very far away from what Notre Dame's doing now, honestly. I mean, that, that I would have my own wrinkle and my own, you know, DNA and personality re- into it. But, you know, mixed between 11, 12 – some 13 in certain situations, some 21. I love multiple person. I love multiple personalities, <laughs> multiple personnel groupings. <laughs> um, you know, using guys on the backfield, spreading the field. I like, you know, mixing up tempos. I like being able, I like RPOs. I'm a, I'm an inside outside zone guy. I, I, I would probably come around on duo. I've, I've come around on duo in some regard, uh, some regards. And so it, I don't know that I would say that I'd be way different than what Notre Dame does from what I believe they're going to do schematically with my playbook. It's just how I use it might be a little bit different. The the coach who I enjoy watching the most other than Notre Dame, there's a couple. Steve Sarkeesian's one. I, I've said this before. As an offensive mind, I'm a big Steve Sarkeesian fan. I think he's a really smart coach. I think he knows how to – call plays and design he does a lot of things that i believe in that's also partly why i like him as you know you're gonna like someone who does things that you believe in i he's a, he's a really good football coach I, I really enjoy what he does i'll tell you another coach who does not run a system that i would run i don't i don't it's just not what i grew up on it's not what i believe wins a championship but i'll tell you what he is as good as i've ever seen at implementing that system and that's lincoln riley with the air raid I don't like the air raid. I would never run that offense. It's just not me. But Lincoln Riley is as creative of a designer and play caller as you're going to find in an air raid offense. And he's he's learned, especially at Oklahoma, and he, he carried it at times at USC last year. I'd like to see him, if I'm being objective and just looking at USC as a non-Notre Dame fan, I'd like to see him even do more of it, you know, but really mixing in the run game more than like the Mike Leeches and the How Mummies ever did you know, striving for that balance, but he's a very creative play designer and play caller. And as someone who appreciates good coaching, his offenses have been fun to watch. And, and 
I kind of thought he got a little bit stale at uh, Oklahoma that last couple of years. He was rejuvenated last year uh, at, at USC. Somebody asked about uh, Josh Heupel. You know, he's a good play caller. I, you know, I think his stuff is more about tempo and spacing and things like that. And, you know, so so I appreciate how good Josh Heupel is, but it's just not an offense I rather I, I necessarily enjoy watching. And so uh, he said, you know, the question being favored to watch other than their name. I don't necessarily love that, to be honest with you. Uh, it's it's just not really something that I enjoy as much to be completely real. But I think Lane Kiffin at times, I love watching his offense. And other times I just want to rip my hair out and be like, what is he doing? But when he's on, man, he's really, really good. He's a really, really good coach. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I'll be honest. I don't love Ryan Day's offense. I don't, I don't think they, they use the run game nearly enough as the further he's gotten away from, um, from uh, Urban Meyer, the less he's relied on the run game. I want to see him make some changes. I, I really don't love his offense. I, I really don't. I'm trying to th- go through here and see if there's any other off- offensive coaches off the top of my head that I, that I rather enjoy watching. I, yeah, it's, those are my main guys. I, I like Jeff Brom's pass game a lot. I enjoy watching Jeff Brom's pass game. I just wish Jeff Brom would do more to develop a run game. That's my big thing. And I'm curious to see if he's going to do that now more at Louisville. Because, look, you you can't use – we don't have the talent at Louisville as an excuse. You can't. You can't. You can use that at Purdue. You can use it at West Kentucky. You can't use that as an excuse at Louisville. You've got to have a more balanced offense. But when you just talk about just designing a pass game, he's as about as good as there is in college football at that. Here's another guy who whose offense I like to watch. He may not be the best human being on the planet, but Bobby Petrino's offenses are really fun to watch as far as just if you're someone who appreciates, you know, formations and usage and spacing. And, I mean, he's a really smart football coach. He's just, you know. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Mark Brown, pick an offensive play you could you would like to run see run the most in 2023 and name the primary target of that play. You can do one rush and one pass if you like. Well, I mean, my, my favorite pass play is double post, but the whole beauty of double post is you don't have one guy. It's not one target. It's, it's uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of pass plays that go to one guy normally. I like pass concepts that attack defenses a certain way and concepts that can attack multiple defense, multiple looks. And I, I think double post is as good as there is when it comes to being able to attack just about everything that you're going to see in a modern defense. It can attack four, it can attack man, it can attack one, it can attack three. It's not great against two, but I think there's ways you can run it against two with tags. It can be effective. I told the story about how I got in a shouting match with my head coach, who was also our play caller, about how I said all week I thought we could run double post against cover two. He didn't think we could because, in theory, you can't because the safety gets over top of the outside post, the inside backer gets on the you know the inside post. But they didn't run it in a traditional way. They had a, a safety, a kid that transferred from Pitt. His name was Rob Butler, I believe. Transferred him from Pitt. He was very aggressive, even though he's a cover two guy. He would always step down. And I said, look, with with my with Yard and Brantley, who got timed into four four for the Eagles, and that's why they signed him. Uh, so we could we can run this. We argued all game. We finally got to the fourth quarter, and I said, just run it. And he, I think, can't remember if that was the time he threatened to fire me, or told me he would stick a fork in my eye at work, or maybe both. But during that during that. After the break, we came out. After the, the change of possession came out, in first play, we ran Dolphins, double posts. He flat-footed at, right at the snap. as the Because what would happen is a cover two is you want to have a pedal by your safety. But what this kid would do is he would flat-foot if you attacked him vertically. And that's not proper cover two. That's more f- cover four. And so even though they were in cover two, I didn't think that they technically executed t- cover two the right way. So I thought with our speed, we could get over top of it. So we ran double post. Randy comes off right at him. He flat foots for a couple steps, and that's all yard needed to get over top. We bang the post over the top for an 83-yard touchdown, go up 33-20, ball game. So uh, I just – I love double posts. I think you can hit it backside. You can hit it underneath. I mean, we – gosh, we completed so many passes in my career using double posts. And then you get creative with it, right? I mean – we we did it in a playoff game one time when I was at Christopher Newport, where we put uh we they whenever they we would go twins, they would go corners over. I don't see many teams do that now. So we went twins out of twenty one personnel, but instead of having our our two receivers, we actually put our running back in the slot, had a receiver in the backfield, motioned him out. They went the safety over, and we just hit a fade for a touchdown on it. So we came back to that later. We went corners over. And then we motioned George out to the right. And so then they overplayed it. And we came back, banged a backside post to, to uh, Nathan Davis for a big play, got us inside the five-yard line completion, scored a couple plays later. And that helped us beat a, the number two seed in the playoff at their place, you know, with being able to hit some plays like that. So you can have a lot of fun with it if you if you create it, if you run it the right way. But you got to have the pl- personnel to run it. And I think having a guy like Jaden Thomas on the inside, he can really – effectively work the underneath stuff he hit an outside throw uh, or outside catch on the double post in the spring game Tobias can hit that over the top I think Dion can do that Chris Tyree can do some things on it and then you you know you'll 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 scissor it you know where you show it but then you bang that inside guy on an outside you may you may post corner it you know if a team's playing man and he overbites that post you know you get a pump play action maybe some max pro 
hit that post cor- that corner that post corner on it. There's so many different things you can do on it. That's a, a scheme that I would absolutely make a bread and butter of my pass game. My vertical pass game would be double post. Run game, I'm an inside zone guy. That's my favorite play. So that that would be mine. That's an easy one. But run game, there's a pass game, there's a lot of fun stuff to do. Jim Halloran, does the Notre Dame defense have the potential to shut down uh to be a shutdown defense against the run? Ability to stop the run is first step of being a good uh, to great defense. Brian, in your opinion, uh, Brian, your thought, or in my opinion, Brian, your thoughts. I, I agree with you. I think, Jim, I don't think you can be an elite defense if you can't be a really, really good run team. And here's the crazy thing about Notre Dame. The last two years, and I was talking, actually, this is one of the questions I asked Coach Freeman today, and I'll, I'll have it in a story, is when you look at their rush defense, at times the last couple of years, and he started to kind of smirk as I started explaining because he knew where I was going to go with this. You know, there are times where the, the run defense the last two years would go through stretches where it was just outstanding. You know, either last year, you know, shut down Syracuse. You, you, you Stanford, you hold under 100. UNLV gets 146, 70-something of that came on one carry. You shut down Syracuse. You shut down Clemson. You shut down Boston College. shut down South Carolina. And the sandwich right in between those is the USC game. And then we saw that again in 2021. I mean, you know, where where when you look at the Notre Dame rush defense in, in 2021, there were some moments where, boy, this this group was really good stopping the run. And then they just kind of went away from it for a while and or struggled. And then 2020, we saw a stretch like this where from from Louisville to North Carolina, a stretch of six games, Notre Dame held every opponent under 100 yards. And then what do they do the next two games? 229 against Syracuse, 219 against Clemson. It's just being able to consistently do it is really the key to being that kind of team. And so uh, things the coach talked about, he's he's spot on. You've got to be a better tackling team. It's the biggest thing. you got to tackle. Number two, talked about being more consistent with run fits. I mean, it's really that simple. I I don't think that there's necessarily any schematic flaws other than you maybe ask a little too much at times. You've got to be more disruptive with your front. I think that's a big thing that they need to do is you need to have more negative plays. Like, for example, Notre Dame finished 16th last year in sacks, but 38th in tackles for loss. That's a big gap. And what that means is they had a lot of pass game sacks, but not a lot of negatives in the run game. And that's something that's got to get better. So there's areas they can prove being disruptive on first down is a biggest part of that, Jim. Can they do it? Yeah, they can do it. They have the talent to do it. Will they scheme it correctly? Will they execute it correctly? Will they do all those things? That I don't know. I really don't know. But they're capable of it. They, but they got to prove it, right? I can, I, Jim, I could tell you until I'm blue in the face that they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They've got this. They've got this. They've got this. They've got this. End of the day, they got to go prove it. And that's what we need to see from this football team this year is proving it. The talent's there. Just, just go prove it. M Sleep. Do you know of a recent team to have a top five QB drafted? Then the following year, the team QB play got better overall. Trying to convince myself there's a way, there's no way Ohio State will be better this season. Well, it's, yeah, I've seen it. It's, but it's, it's usually about, are you better because you're a more balanced football team? And, and I mean, I could tell you that there's no way Ohio State's going to be better this year, but I'd be lying to you. Will they be as dynamic throwing the football? I don't think so. But the reality is, like, like, look, man, I mean, I think their defense is going to be better. I think they're going to run the ball. They should run the ball more this year. They're going to be loaded at receiver. It just depends on what you have coming back. I mean, that's really what it comes down to is 
what do you have coming back? I mean, it's not often, but here's an example. Tua Tungvaloa is a top five pick in 2020 draft, and they come out the next year, and they're even better on offense. Now, they were still pretty good the year before, but they were even better in big games because Mac Jones could just make get the ball where needed to go. I mean, we, we've seen it. That's the most, probably the most recent example of, of that. So I mean, what I would, what I would say to you is stop being afraid of the other team. It's like somebody said this on a board and it, it frustrates me a little bit. Should I be worried that if, you know, Ohio state struggles and Notre Dame is great, that I should be worried about losing Marcus. Stop worrying about things you have no control over number one and stop assuming something bad is going to happen. Ohio state could be better this year and Notre Dame could beat them. That's possible. And, and so I don't want Ohio state to take a step back. I don't want to beat Ohio state because they weren't as good as they've been. It's like beating. Did, did you enjoy beating Clemson this year? Yeah, I did. I'm sure you did too, but if, did it feel the same as it would have beaten them in the playoff in 2018? No, because a, it wasn't a playoff game, but two, they're not as good as they were back then. So I want Ohio State to be every bit as good as they were last year and the year before that and the year before that, and I still want to beat them because I'm not afraid of Ohio State. And and Notre Dame players and coaches need to have that mentality of, I don't care who you are, we're Notre Dame. And Notre Dame fans need to stop being this way too where you're hoping this guy gets hurt or hoping this team isn't as good or hoping that that's not as good because then we can beat them. Screw that. Go beat them. You should have beat them last year with C.J. Stroud. You played bad on offense and still had a lead for longer in that game than Ohio State led you. Now at your place, go beat them and make sure, and hope that they're as good as, as they've been because it makes that win so much sweeter. But let's say Ohio State loses three games next year, and they're not as good. They're 9-3. and three. Does that win really move the needle as much as it would if you beat them, you beat their butts on September 23rd, and then they run the table? You say, you know what? That wasn't a fluky game because we whooped your butts. That's what I want to see happen. I don't want to see some depleted version of Ohio State beat fall victim to Notre Dame. That doesn't mean anything to me. I want to beat them at their best. That's what Notre Dame is all about. Notre Dame didn't beat a depleted Miami team in 88. They beat a team that had won 30-something straight games. They didn't depleted a, a, a not-as-good Florida State team in 93. They whooped that Florida State team that was Bobby Bowden's first national champion, and Notre Dame whooped their freaking butts for 60 minutes. That's what I want Notre Dame to be. I don't want them to be the depleted, watered-down version of what they were. I just don't. I want to see them whoop a team that's really, really good. Somebody said this, Jim Engels, uh, knocking off Clemson in 2020 at home was pretty sweet. I, I didn't. I, I mean, it was, it was a great win, but if we're being honest, it wasn't as big of a win because they didn't have Trevor Lawrence. They didn't have Tyler Davis. They That was not a, a, a great Clemson team then. When you got healthy Clemson a month later, they kicked your butt. That's the reality of it. I want Ohio State to be one of the three or four best teams in the country. I want them to be the best version of themselves, and I want to kick their butts. That's what you should want. You don't. If you're an Ohio State fan, I don't want Michigan to come into that game injured. No, I want you healthy. I want you to have no excuses because when we kick your butt on your own field, you're going to realize that that last couple of years was a mirage. It's, it's, we, you got your hopes up. We're going to go back to dominating the series, and then vice versa. And that's where I want Notre Dame to be. Uh, I understand where you're coming from, M Sleep, but that, I just, I'm just, that's just not, I'm just not wired that way. I don't want to beat a watered down version of this team. I don't want to beat USC this year because Caleb Williams sprained his ankle the week before. I want them healthy at their best, and I want to kick their butts. That's what I want to have happen.
Archer four five says two says, do you think Ohio State has a chance to move the needle with Justin Scott this weekend, or is it a solely two horse race between Notre Dame and Miami? It's definitely not a two horse race. Could Notre Dame move the needle? Sure they can. I mean, I mean, could Ohio State move the needle? Sure they can. I mean, you know, the, the kid wouldn't be taking a visit if he was didn't have some level of interest. I don't think this is a two team race. I think right now it's more of a three to four team race. I think Georgia's in it. I think Michigan's in it. And if Ohio State can really do well this weekend, they could be in it. No, I don't think it's a two team race at all. I don't. And if, yeah, I don't think it's a two-team race. I don't. Patrick King says, who has the best hands on the team? 2002 hands, pun intended. It was Michael Mayer. Hmm, good question. If I, I'd probably have to say best hands on the team. I'll tell you what, man. Jaden Greathouse is going to be in that conversation. Uh, that's he's going to be in that conversation. He has great hands. Jaden Thomas is in that conversation. Tobias has really good hands. Those would probably be the three for me. Holden Stace has really good hands. Those are probably guys that are in the conversation for me as far as having the best hands on the team. Yeah, good question, Pat. Because it was Michael Mayer last year. Wasn't in previous years. He he was he was a little inconsistent at times, but last year, no doubt about it. What is Brian Hartline doing at Ohio State that is so effective? Ohio State fan pointed out to me that a guy like Chris Olave was a composite three-star. First of all, that doesn't mean anything. Guys, Chris Olave was not a three-star. Like, this is what I keep trying to tell everybody. College coaches do not take kids that have three-star talent and turn them into All-Americans. Does not happen. What they do is they take kids that have the talent to be great and they they get the most out of those players. That's what they do. And that's what Brian Hartline did. He was a good evaluator. Him and the staff are good evaluators. They could see in Chris Olave the what he could be, which was harder because he was a three-star kid. And then they could look at Garrett Wilson and see that he was that guy. And he was a five-star, I believe. It's about looking. It's about finding talent and then doing what you need to do as a coach to to maximize that talent. Some of Ohio State's best players have been highly ranked guys. Some of their best players have also been lower ranked guys. Devin Smith was not a super highly ranked player coming out of high school. Uh, Michael Thomas was not a super highly ranked player coming out of high school. Chris Olave was not a super highly ranked player coming out of high school. Marvin Harrison was. Jackson Smith and Jigba was. Garrett Wilson was. So it's just about looking for talent, looking for traits, and then finding that talent and coaching the heck out of it. I can promise you that that when because I, I had these conversations with Mike Elston, Mike Elston was not at all surprised that Isaiah Foskey turned into what he was. Not at all because they saw that talent, they knew why he wasn't that guy in high school, but they felt that they could get that out of him, and so he became that. I promise you, promise you that Mike Elko and Clark Lee were not surprised by what Jeremiah Wusu turned into. They thought that, and they expressed that when they signed him. At Mike, what, what, what do you like? And it just about Jeremiah, you know, why are you going after this kid? Because you know, I was fired up about it because he's a Virginia kid. I love the film, four star kid. I gave him a four and a half star upside grade, and I still undersold him. Actually, you could argue with where he was drafted, but in college, he was definitely a top 30 football player, in my opinion, his last year. But even before Jeremiah did anything, man, this kid's explosive. He's this, he's that. And you could see it. They saw that ability. And so they don't care about the rankings. I, Cole Mullins is the guy that I look at and see that right now. It's like, I don't know what the stars say, but here's what I know. I watched the film, and this kid's really flipping good. So you get that kid, and you coach him up, and you make him the best thing you can do. So what Brian Hartline has done – 
is he's a very good evaluator of talent. They play in a very pass-friendly system, which is going to help him put up numbers. And he's a very good teacher of the position. He knows how to teach kids how to get open, how to use their hands, how to use spacing, how to use leverage to win uh, at the top end, how to break off routes a certain way. He's very good at teaching that position. And so when you identify talented players, whether they're highly ranked guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba or Marvin Harrison or Garrett, or, or, uh, Garrett Wilson or lower ranked guys like Chris Olave, and this is before Brian Hartline with Michael Thomas and Devin Smith, it doesn't matter, man. Find talent and coach that talent up, get the most out of them. That's that's what he's done. And that's what other that's what Harry Heastan did. Some of Harry Heastan's first round picks were highly ranked guys, like Quentin Nelson was a five-star by rivals. Other guys that care Harry Harry Heastan coached weren't very highly ranked. And you know, it's fine talent that fits what you do. Coach them up and teach them how to play the game and push them every day to be the best they can be. Brian Hartline does that extremely well. And uh, Notre Dame needs to make sure that they have guys who can do that. Donald Richardson, can our backup quarterbacks carry us if, God forbid, Hartman goes down? Depends. I mean, a lot of opponents, Donald, yeah, they can. Look, it's kind of like last year. I said, you know, I think Notre Dame could go 10-2 and two with Drew Pine, and they went 8-2 and two with Drew Pine. The thing he says, you're not going to win the big games, right? 9-3, and 10-2, you're not going to win the big games with them. You're not going to beat Ohio State most likely with those guys. You're not going to beat – you're not going to do to Clemson at their place what you did to them this year. Just it was an anomaly. If we're going to be honest about that, you're not going to beat USC most likely with one of those guys at quarterback, unless Kenny Minchie's just more ready to play than I think he's going to be. But there's a lot of teams on the schedule they can still go out and just out talent and and win games. I mean, if if Kenny Minchie or Steve Angeli was the starter from day one, I'd say that. Nine and three is probably the my floor prediction for this team, just because of the talent at everywhere else. So yeah, they can they can ca- can they carry them? No. Can they do what they need to do to win games week after week? Yes, they can. There's no doubt. And we saw that last year with, with Drew Pine when he stepped in. Brian Fitz says, "I know you mentioned uh, your, I know earlier you mentioned Jane Thomas being the main wide receiver. What do you think his final numbers and will be?" To, Touchdowns, receiving yards. I kind of went over this earlier. Uh, you know, I said probably forty to fifty catches, six to seven hundred yards, touchdowns. I, I don't know, and I don't. I didn't say he's going to be the main receiver. I said he's going to be. He's the most trusted guy right now. He's the guy that you have the most confidence in. I don't know that he's going to be the main receiver. I didn't make that prediction. I just want to make sure that we're clear. I didn't make that prediction. I said he's the guy that right now I have the most confidence in on the receiving core. Um, I don't. I mean, I could see Tobias being their best receiver. I could be see Dion being that guy. But right now, I have the most faith that I know what Jaden can do, and and I and I know that his floor is higher, and and right now for this season, will his ceiling be as high? That we don't know. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Chief Brody with Super Chat. Thank you, sir. Thoughts on Indy's poor New York 6 BCS record since 93? It bothers me a bit. The teams that have won since then make you wonder how Notre Dame hasn't even lucked one. I don't spend a lot of time on that. I mean, look. In most of those games, they were playing better teams that as far as I can remember. I mean, when they played Colorado in, you know, 94, 
in the Fiesta Bowl. That was a way that wasn't Notre Dame like six five and one that year. Like no business being that game. And they played Oregon State after the ninety nine or two thousand season. Oregon State was a better team than they were. I mean, you know, Alabama in twenty twenty was better than they were. Twenty twelve, they were better. Ohio State in fifteen, they were better. The only one that really bothers me is the Oklahoma State against the game, the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. That that's the one that pisses me off because you were the better team. You had the more talent. You should have won that game. You you jumped on them twenty eight to seven. That's the one that really bothers me. But um, thoughts on it? I don't think about it a whole lot, honestly, guys. Especially lately, I'm really trying to to. to I've really worked a lot, you know, on prayer and other couple, a lot of things to just try to be focused more on positive things. Right? What what can I control? I can't change history. I wish I had a DeLorean. Trust me, I wish I had a DeLorean. I don't. I can't change what's happened. I can only control and and focus on what's in front. And um, that's where my focus is on. But yeah, I mean, it's, it'd be nice to get the streak over with. It's not like I'm, I'm aware of it. I know it's problematic, but dwelling on, you know, the record, I just, you know, I, it is what it is. So, uh, yeah. And, and I think Notre Dame's had multiple teams capable of winning a title, but they just didn't get it done. So yeah, that, that part's frustrating, especially the 15 team, but you know, Hey, look, I can't change it. Can only focus on moving forward and being the best you can be. Archer four five two. What is your take on Florida's recent recruiting success up to number three in twenty twenty four? Do you think they can hold that class together if they have another down year? No, I don't think they can hold that class together. I, I don't. I'm sorry. I just I know that they're they're the hot team and all that kind of stuff. But you know, if, if they go five and seven, six and six, no, they they won't hold that that they won't hold that together in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, look defensively, they're they're hot. You know, they've already they already had a good quarterback in the class and DJ Lagway. I think Florida, and, and I'll tell you what, like looking at it, Florida practically, one of the things that Florida has been lacking in recent years where they just haven't been as good as they have in the past is they used to be a really good front seven team, like really good. And uh, they've really struggled in recruiting both of those areas. So to go out and get, we talked about this with some of the other day uh, or buddy earlier today. I mean, you're talking about, in my opinion, Miles Graham, who some people have as a five-star, I don't think he is, is your second or third best linebacker. I think Aaron Childs is their best linebacker. I love Darius Hayes. You, know, you got Miles Graham. You got Jamonte Waller is going to be a guy that's probably going to rush off the edge, a quarterback. You've got some big boys up the middle. They're they're loading up on defensive front seven guys, and that's needed so bad for Florida. You know, So I hope they can hold it together. Like, look, I, I'll, I've said this before. It's good when teams like Florida, Florida State, Miami are winning and, and recruiting well because they're going to start taking guys, a guy here, a guy there from Bama, from LSU, from Georgia, from, from Clemson, and that helps Notre Dame. Just like Michigan being good helps Notre Dame because, I mean, yeah, you might lose some guys to them, but you're still going to beat them in, in, in recruiting. You can still recruit the entire country, but they're going to take – they're going to battle Ohio State. Michigan and Ohio State are battling a lot more for kids than Notre Dame and Michigan are battling for kids. Uh, Michigan, Ohio, Penn State and Ohio State are battling for more kids than Notre Dame and Ohio State are. And so it's good when those things are happening, in my opinion, because it, it brings those top teams down a little bit because those other teams are having success. So I, I hope it sticks. I do hope they stay in those classes. I do. I hope they keep it together. I just don't think that they will. All right, we got another combo one here from uh, Andrew Gilmore. Is the Texas A&M coaching staff the craziest staff ever? You got Jimbo, Petrino, Durkin, Adazio. Man, you are you are not wrong. Uh, let me see. I know Vince is – I'm just pulling the coaching staff up here real quick because I want to be able to look at it. 
And then what's the second part of that one, Vince? Uh, and choosing from current coaches, filling out all staff positions as well as head coach, what would be the worst, the very worst coach staff ever, the coaching staff from hell? Let me look at Texas A&M's coaching staff because it may be that, to be honest with you. So let's see here. You got Jimbo, DJ Durkin, not a fan, Bobby Petrino, James Coley, Steve Adazio. Yeah, that might that might be it. That That might be one of the worst. I mean, honestly – Coaching staff from hell, just any staff of Brian Van Gorder on it. I mean, here, here'd be one if you want to talk about Notre Dame, talking about coaching staff from hell. I got Charlie Molnar as my offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. I got Austin Denton as my running backs coach. I've got uh, Brian Van Gorder as my, as my uh, defensive coordinator. I've got Terry Joseph coaching safeties. I got Brian Polian as my special teams coach. Uh, I've got uh, John Latina coaching my off. No, Jeff Quinn coaching my offensive line. We got Scott Booker coaching my tight ends. Oh boy, I'd have to think. I'm thinking Van Gorder's my my linebackers coach, my D line coach. I'd have to think about that one for a minute. Uh, that that's a that's a more interesting one. I have to think about that one. But yeah, that that pretty much would be it. It's those kind of guys. It would be uh, it'd be very sad, very very sad time to be covering Notre Dame. But yeah, that Texas A&M one, boy, that that's a that's a toxic coaching staff right there, man. Adazio and DJ and Petrino, good Lord. I cannot wait to hear the stories about how Adazio and Bobby Petrino get along together. Good Lord. That's going to be interesting. David Prevo asks, who was the most potential for a breakout season at linebacker this year? Do you think we will be more athletic as an overall group compared to last year? I, I don't know if I'd say that they are going to be more athletic because it's mostly the same dudes. I think they're going to be more certain of what they're doing. Uh, look, I've said this a bunch of times, and I'm either going to be proven right or wrong here in the next few months, but I don't think Notre Dame's problem last year was a lack of athleticism. I think their problem last year was a lack of of assignment correctness and a lack of playing to their top speed because there was so much uncertainty about who they were and what they were going to do and just a lot of different aspects along those lines, just playing to their full potential. If they can get those guys to, to play to their potential, um, their defense is going to be good breakout season. You know, JD Bertrand have a chance. If you use Jack Kaiser correctly, I think he could be a breakout guy. JD Bertrand's my first, my most obvious one. I think I thought he was pretty good last year for most of the season. I just want to see him kind of put it all together and just do it more consistently. I mean, guys got 200 tackles the last two years. So uh, stop getting ejected, <laughs> number one. And uh, I think we'll have a chance to be a good football player this year, a, a, a productive football player this year. Uh, Andrew Gilmore says, how do you cover Harrison? He almost single-handedly beat Georgia, but he didn't. I mean, that's the thing. So how, how do you how do you handle him? Well, number one, I've said this before, I, I don't think Georgia has a very good secondary. I just don't. How do you handle them? I mean, number one, you you have corners that are good football players. I mean, he had his, what, third or fourth lowest production of the season against Notre Dame last year, five catches for 56 yards. Number one, you have to understand he's going to get his. He's going to get catches. He's going to have yards. You have to make sure that you are forcing the ball outside, number one, not not letting him. A lot of what Ohio State does is is in stuff. It's breaking in stuff. So what you want to try to do as much as you can is try to beat him to spots and try to leverage in a way to where you're forcing the ball to be thrown to the outside routes, not on in-breaking stuff as best you can. 
It's about trusting your your defensive your defensive backs to do their job. It's about making sure that you're trying as best you can to have a safety to be able to help as much as possible. But it's really just about discipline and 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 you know guys being recognized. Okay, if I'm if I'm run, if he's running an over route, that safety has to see it and jump that route. So it's not so much about covering him per se. Like I'm running with you all day. It's about being smart, and we're going to do things where when you see him coming here. You've got to come down here, and then you've got to trust your receivers that if your safety's jumping that, your corners, that if the safety's jumping that, that I'm trusting that Benjamin Morris and Cam Hart, whoever that outside receiver is, is going to protect the post because they're going to start seeing that and kind of go over the top. So it's just about being, being disciplined, uh, knowing when to give your, your outside receivers help. I think Ohio State's going to move him around a lot more this year, which I would anticipate. But honestly, the biggest thing on how you defend Marvin Harrison is get to the quarterback. I mean, that's if he can't throw it, he can't beat you with it. And so I, that's, that's my big thing. I mean, Notre Dame played some really good receivers last year, and none of them took games over. Zay Flowers, right? Uh, Jordan Addison, uh, Marvin Harrison, Josh, Down, Josh Downs, excuse me. I mean, no, Notre Dame last year played some really good wideouts, and none of them took over games. So they had a good plan. It just comes down to you got to tackle better. You've got to limit the the big plays more effectively and um, just kind of go about it that way. Next question from Archer452. What do you think about the 2025 quarterback reclassifying to 2023 and enrolling at Ole Miss now, seeing as he should be going to his junior year of high school? I can't see him physically being developed enough. Okay, so – as I've as I've read if I've read more into this, Archer, it's a little bit less. Oh wow, that's impressive. So number one, he's homeschooled. And I have no problem with homeschooling. It's just you always have to understand that there may be some differences there on on curriculum or or you know who's doing the grading or whatever the case may be. And the other thing I believe I read that he's going to be he's going to be eighteen in November. So he's not the same age as your typical sophomore. So he's a little older uh, than, than we anticipated. And so it's not, it sounds like, honestly, Archer, that he should have been a 24 kid anyway, and he's just reclassifying to 23. That's really the key. That's, that's really what I what, – from what I'm reading, it sounds like that's probably more likely. He's not a 16-year-old jump into his senior year. Because I had the same thought you did at first. I'm like, wow. Like, I, look, I'm sure the kid's really smart and all that, but is he physically and emotionally and you know, uh, mature, mature wise, um, you know, going to be a guy that that's going to go out there and and um, be ready to play? No, I don't think so. But you, it sounds like he's a little bit older than your typical high school sophomore, which is why he's making that two class leap. So it wasn't quite as knock your socks off as I had originally thought. So I'm going to just answer these last two Vince, that we have actually this, um, this last one right here from Ray Holcroft. Cause I'm about to lose my voice. So Ray asks, how much impact does the Knowles complex defense have in the second year at Ohio state? Does it take more time to fully implement a scheme? Your opinion, do his current players fit what he wants to do? Some of them do. And some of them do. I, I think his linebackers fit pretty well, which is why they had, Big jumps last year. I think some of his linemen do. Uh, you know, I, I I think Jim Knowles likes a little bit twitchier edge rusher. If you think to some of the defenses he had in the past, 
you you look at you know, like the Chris Rumps that they had at Duke. You think of the the Martin Martin kid they had at Oklahoma State, the, the little twitchier edge rusher that can drop. They're more bigger power edge rushers, so I don't know if that's necessarily what he would ideally want, but they're still very good players that can make a lot of plays. I think the secondary is where they got to get better. I think he wants to be a, a a team that can mix up coverages, play zone, play some man, bring some fires from second and third levels, do some different things. So I think I think a chunk of it is good, but on at the end of the day, it's about him to say, "Hey, this isn't what about what you want. This is about what you have, and de- de- you know, build your system around the players you have, and then recruit what you want." That to me is the key, and so. Uh, I think those are those are different aspects of 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 looking at the Jim Knowles defense. In the past, it's been year three where you've seen the big jump in his in his in his defenses, but he also didn't have the talent he has at Ohio State at those systems at those places. So I expect his defense to be better this year. I do. I think Ohio, and this is why I, I still think Ohio State is going to be very good this year. I I made I said this the other day to a buddy. I think I've said it on the show before. I could see Ohio State being a better team than they were last year, but having a worse record because their schedule. Last year you had Michigan and, and 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 Notre Dame at home. This year you got them both on the road. You you know Notre Dame's going to be a, a much better team in my opinion. Michigan's still going to be good. Penn State's going to be better. I think if oh, if if the defense makes a jump, I think it's going to make, and they get back to running the ball more. I think this Ohio State team could be very dangerous. They are a team that I'm, I have a small list of teams I think are capable of winning a title this year. They're absolutely on that list, absolutely on that list. And and I expect Kyle McCord or Devin Brown or whoever their quarterback is to put up numbers. The question is, will they will they make the money? It's like what we talked about the receivers, right? You can have a thousand yards all you want, but if it's because you went for a buck fifty against Tennessee State and. 125 against Central Michigan, and I had 160 against Wake Forest, and but I had 35 against Ohio State. Guess what? You're not a money player. I want the guy that has three catches for 50 against Central Michigan, but goes out for eight and 120 against Ohio State. That's that's the money guy for me. That's what I want, and and that's to me what what the what the best players do, and and so that's just that's going to be the big question mark for me when you when you look at Ohio State this year is going to be. Can their quarterback make the money plays? Can he make the game-winning plays? Can he be at his best when the games are biggest? You look at Marvin Harrison last year, and he was good in September and October. I mean, he had a big game against Arkansas State. They stink. He was good against Lee. They stink. He didn't do a lot against Wisconsin or Rutgers. Had a had a very good game against Michigan State. Their pass defense sucks. He wasn't very good against Iowa, but that defense was great. They could And they didn't need him. But against Penn State, that was a game they really needed him to be money because their off defense couldn't stop Penn State. And he had the best game of his career, in my opinion. They got against Michigan, and the rest of your offense is struggling, but he steps up and makes big plays, right? Like, that's what I like. I like the money guys. I like the guys that put up yards in the biggest moments. You know, he goes out there in the playoff, and like you had somebody said earlier, I mean, just puts that offense on his shoulders. Now, now, CJ played great in that game, too. Don't get it twisted. Like, he was making, throwing some dimes and, and buying time and getting out of the pocket and doing all that kind of stuff. But Marvin, Marvin is a guy, the reason I like Marvin Harrison is not because he's big and fast and all that. That's good town evaluation. But what I like about Marvin is that he tended to be really good in the biggest moments. And, and those are the guys that I 
that I will, I say, I mean, I always, always want to go to battle with that guy in, in big moments. Those, those are the guys that I want to see is the guys that produce in the biggest, on the biggest stages, the biggest moments that when they, and that's the thing about Brady Quinn, you know, there's these Notre Dame fans that have this weird thing where they just like to tear down certain players. And I know a guy used to work with a guy that would just always nitpick Brady Quinn. And I'm like, you know, you can talk about a stone motion. And Zach, I don't give a crap because when the game was on the line and he had the ball, you just knew you were going to go down and score and win the game. Now the defense would give some of those away, but I want those money guys. I want those guys to step up when the lights are brightest. That's what I want to see. And I think Brady did that. I mean, against Ohio State in 05, I thought Brady played well that game against LSU. Oh, look at his numbers. Well, did you watch his team? His team sucked. I thought Brady battled that game. You know, and and, and those are the guys for me. Give, me. give me the money guys, the big game guys, the fourth quarter drive guys over the stat, you know, patterns any day of the week. And, and so I think Ohio State's going to be a, a, a really good football team. Will they be a team that can win a championship? They got a shot. Absolutely. They're one of those teams that, that are in the mix. But, um, yeah, and I think their defense, to me, is going to be a big reason why that's going to be the case. So I know I kind of went turned that into a whole Ohio State sort of preview, but that's kind of where I'm at on that one. So, anyway, that's going to do it. So, uh, Vince, can you take that one down? Uh, folks, everybody, I want to thank you all so much for being with me today. Hit that like button, folks. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. I'd love it if you wanted to sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. That would be awesome. We got our merch store down there. So you get some, we got this is in the merch store. That's in the merch store. This is a, uh, for IB employees only. So I got to, you know, keep something special just for us. This is our game shirt, but I wore this to the interview today and didn't really have time to change. So, uh, that, uh, <laughs> That's why I'm rocking this one today, but it's also a very, very comfortable shirt. But we do have some polos in the merch store as well. You can check those out. Uh, have a great rest of your day. We'll be back tonight, 6 o'clock, IB Nation Sports Talk. They're going to have a very fun topic. I think it's like something about like most frustrated moments in Notre Dame. That's going to be a very interesting show. I'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday, with our midweek rundown. And then uh, Thursday we'll have a show. Friday we'll have our mailbag. So it's going to be a very, very busy week. Stay tuned in to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Have an awesome day. Thanks, everybody.